Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. I'm Jamie Brazil, the show's host. In this episode, we'll uncover the common factors across our guests that has led them to happy careers and consumer insights and give you two key ways to drive organizational success from the hottest company in CX, UX, and MRX. This is the first episode in a four-part series of 2019 highlights. We hit 80,000 downloads, interviewed 250 guests, heads of insights, Microsoft, P&G, Samsung. We also had guests from leading agencies like Nielsen and TNS, as well as several startup founders. For this episode and this series, I've asked our production manager, Chu Yi Yang, to join me in the studio. Chu Yi, how are you? Hey, Jamin. I'm doing pretty well. You know, this has been such an exciting year for Happy. We've grown so much and also learned a lot throughout the process. Like you said, this year we decided to create a highlight reel, but we're going to break it down into a few episodes so it's easier to digest. Before we get started, I wanted to give a big thanks to our sponsor for 2019, G3 Translate. The G3 Translate team offers unparalleled expertise in foreign language translation for market researchers and insight professionals across the globe. Not only do they speak hundreds of languages, they are fluent in market research. And we know that's a unique language. For more information, please visit them at g3translate.com. For those that don't know, this year, Happy Market Research actually adopted seven core questions that were asked across your guest. Market research is the key to understanding human decision-making, and a big part of that is the context of the individual. This leads to a first core question of, how did you get into market research? There's a few different reasons we decided to include this as our opener. First, it gives us an opportunity to understand our guests in a totally unique way. It is amazing how much you learn about somebody with this question. In fact, I've known a few of our guests for years, but it wasn't until I asked this question on the show that I got a more complete picture of who they are. The other reason is because we love this question. For example, on the Insights Association's forums, the number one thread by a factor of two is, how did you end up in research? So, Chu Yi, you've edited and produced all of our episodes this year, which is amazing, thank you. What is the commonality of how our guests started their market research careers? It's kind of funny how you asked, Jamin. The one commonality is that there is no commonality. Here are some highlights of how Joaquin Brecha, president of SMR, Miriam Anderson from Microsoft, and Stephen DiMarco from Cantar got their start. I, I guess I fell into market research by natural fall. I was hired by the largest FMCG Spanish association and I was responsible to organize uh, seminars, conferences, to take Spanish uh, managers to visit uh, retailers in Europe and the US to learn from those countries uh, how retail was evolving and the consumer patterns were evolving. So I became an expert in retail. Joining us right now is former chief strategist for Hillary Clinton's 2008 presidential campaign. He is chief strategist for Bill Clinton's 1996 re-election. And he joins us right now. Mark Penn, good to see you, sir. Politics was it for me. I was very, very interested in kind of what motivated political behavior and political strategy. 
And so I had the opportunity right out of undergrad to go work for Mark Penn and work on political messaging, doing political polling. And, and honestly, I was interested in working in politics kind of in any strategy regard. And it happened to be polling that the opportunity presented itself. And that started my research career. And I kind of haven't looked back. I was actually a DJ for the campus radio station. So I've always had a, a strong interest in marketing and music. Uh, I started my career at a record label doing everything you can imagine and decided that while I like music, the music industry isn't for me. So I thought long and hard and, and really committed myself to marketing and helping marketers become better marketers. While each person's path has been different, we see that they all have curiosity and empathy. In many cases, these traits were developed in their early years. Here's a great example of how one of our guests' early years led them to market research. As a teenager, his father did a career pivot and went back to school in his late 30s. Emmett O'Brien didn't think it was odd that his dad went back to school after nearly two decades working on the assembly line, but a lot of other people did. It's never too late to learn. It's, you know, like the philosophy of lifelong learning. I got that from my dad. But also that it's a great value in doing things differently. You know, striking out on your own doing things maybe that other people might not encourage you to do or might discourage you to do that if you you know sort of have the motivation and the incentive that you know following your own path is is rewarding intellectually spiritually if not always financially but it's a, you know like a good way to go so i would think that that was very much an inspiration for me his father completed university and became a teacher this was an incredible lesson for him it taught him that is never too late to try something new as long as you have the courage and willingness to follow it through. Emmett's mother's job, on the other hand, required manual work, but her real passion was gardening, which served as an outlet for creativity. The idea of creativity is very important to me in research. And I think it's important for any business that you're able to think laterally, you're able to make connections between things that aren't obvious. So I think the environment that you're raised in just has such a huge influence on, you know, on the type of values and the type of things that you see as interesting or that have interest to you. Making connections between seemingly unrelated things is exactly in the center of the crosshairs of consumer insights. Today, Emmett is the founder of Quiddity, which offers methodologically innovative research, particularly in the use and analysis of naturally occurring data and especially language in consumer and social research. The other aspect of their character which sticks out is how they put themselves in the driver's seat of their own life. What I mean is, lots of us go through life doing the next thing. For example, we're not in high school, so we go to college. We're not in college, so we get a job, whatever. There is this like passive script to life, and then there is an active script to life. One is written by our parents or societal norms, while the other is this audible that we're willing to call as we need to or as we feel we need to. Our guests all seem to have this drive to take charge of their lives and are willing to venture off the scripted path. Probably my favorite example of this was our interview with Steve Portugal. He started in user experience before user experience was even a thing. I was very fortunate. I think this is part of the happenstance through a series of you know, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. I'm like, I met somebody at a conference and they gave me some names. And then, you know, you were maybe emailing or maybe phoning or leaving voicemails. Months later, I ended up with a job at, um, and this is what brought me out to the, to the Bay Area where I am now. 
a job at this industrial design consultancy. I wasn't a designer, but I was working on human interface design. And there was also this emergent practice in user research that was happening there. And uh, I kind of apprenticed into that. It's a cool way to apprentice when it's not like anyone really knows what they're doing, as opposed to, you know, it being handed down to you and here's how we do it. We didn't know how to do it. We didn't know how to write a proposal, how to quote for it, how to describe it, how to advocate for it, how to scope it, you know? And so over the next few years, I mean, we got good at, I think, the business part of it as well. Market research has been around since the golden days of radio, actually even before that. However, over the last 20 years, we have seen a massive increase in corporate spend in user experience and consumer experience. While there are shared methodologies between the industries, the key difference that I've observed is where they sit in proximity to the user of the research. For example, user experience usually sits right next to or inside of product, whereas market research sits underneath marketing. It is through the work of people like Steve that have brought the voice of the consumer close to the point of decision. Similar to our market research peers, companies have a story on how they found their way into market research. In 2017, Quadrix announced its $8 billion sell to SAP. Early this year, we had Kylan London, the CMO of Quadrix, talk about the company's evolution. You know, when I joined the company um, out of business school, it was still very much an academic research tool. And, and I say tool very, you know, sort of specifically. And then, you know, very soon thereafter, we kind of pivoted into a, an academic research platform. Then we went into a corporate research platform. Then we went into sort of like a general speak, generally speaking, like insight platform, uh, because it was sort of beyond just kind of the market research that people were doing. And then we moved into experience management. And again, looking back, it's like, oh yeah, all those steps seem really logical, but they were terrifying at the time, right? Like each one of those felt like we were really taking a risk where we had this core audience that was really important to us and, and that we wanted to continue to sort of prioritize and put at the center of everything. But we need to expand sort of the messaging and our product offering to include different people, which means, you know, the messaging gets a little bit diluted to that specific core audience at first. So, you know, every time it felt really risky and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, like when I first met Ryan, he and I had a chance encounter in Palo Alto. He was out there closing the first round of, of financing from Sequoia and Excel, and we had breakfast together. And there were two things. And what year is that? This is uh, that was... 2012. Uh, yeah, so in 2012, I had breakfast with Ryan Smith. Uh, again, he was closing that round, you know, the, the first round of financing. And there were two things in this meeting that appeared to be true instantly that have proven to be true over time. So the first one was that Ryan is a CEO, appeared to me to be a bet the business kind of person, meaning he did not come across as the kind of person that was going to say, hey, I know Wall Street thinks we're going to go grow at 9% this year. Let's go blow everyone's mind and let's go 11%. Or like that just was not ever his DNA. He was like, look, I want to go completely invent and take a category all the way to the top. Or on some, just not that interested in doing this, right? Like, so let's go beat, you know, the, the largest enterprise software players in the world or else, like, what are we doing? And he just had that sort of energy of like, look, we're going to the moon. And, uh, you know, if you want to sign up, let's do this. And so now that's, that's interesting because back to that original point, that's what happened, right? Like he's bet the business over and over again, right? Between going from an academic research tool 
to an enterprise research tool, to an insight platform, to now experience management. Each of those have been a bet the business decision um, and have, have led to you know, phenomenal results for us in the company. So just you know, could be more excited to be part of that. He's appeared to be a bet the business kind of person. And he also appeared to be a bet on people kind of person. Meaning that I got the sense from him in our you know, first breakfast ever meeting that he assumed people could do it before he assumed that they couldn't do it. And so, you know, you can imagine those two things together were incredibly powerful as someone emerging from business school. And now granted, I'd been in the private equity space for five years, but the idea of going to a technology company that was going to shoot for the moon and that would always assume someone could before they couldn't. And what that led to was, A, if you're in a hyper-growth technology company, there's unfair opportunities in front of you all over the place because they're just desperate for good talent to lead new functions and areas and and, and, and tactics. But then on top of that, you have a CEO who, from a very top-down approach, has built a culture where like they're going to ask you to do something and it's yours to lose. Like you don't have, it's not like, Hey, well, let's go, you know, normally in most businesses, um, a role opens, right? Someone leaves the company or someone's promoted and there's a vacancy. And there's a process where 35 qualified people all apply for that role and, and may the best person, you know, win. Um, this is, you know, it Qualtrics and in a hyper growth tech company, it's exactly opposite. There's 35 jobs that need to get done and they're struggling to get talent in the building fast enough. And so they ask you to do all of them. And so and as long as you don't drop the ball on any of them, like, hey, congratulations, that's your new responsibility. Qualtrics drove the biggest cash outcome of any consumer insights company through two things. One, willingness to chart new frontiers based on where the market leads. And two, always bet on people. Start with a positive framework of they can do it. This is the same DNA we found in our guests. In every way, market research is about the human story. We listen and identify the unobvious patterns in human behavior. Then we build a narrative that brings to life those findings so that companies can build trust and intimacy. It sounds easy. It certainly isn't. The more we understand about ourselves, the better we can see the consumer and their context for decision making. This is why I think it is important that we spend time getting to know each other and how we see the world. In the next episode, we get to our second question. What is the biggest challenge facing researchers today? We'll highlight responses from the perspective of insights managers at large brands and consumer insights agencies. Here's Bryant Leach of Nielsen. I think in terms of the the biggest challenges is really where, how far we want to push that automation down the road and where that balancing act needs to be. What is keeping inside professionals up at night? That's next time on the Happy Market Research Podcast. Happy Market Research is hosted and produced by me, Chu Yi Yang, and Jamin Brazil. Special thanks to our reference guests, Joaquin Brecha, President of SMR, Miriam Anderson, Director of Insights at Microsoft, Stephen DiMarco, Chief Digital Officer at Cantar, Steve Portugal of Portugal Consulting, Kylan London, CMO of Quatrics, Bryant Leach, Director of Design Solutions at Nielsen, and Emmett Obring, founder of Quiddity. To subscribe to our podcast, go to iTunes or check out the Happy Market Research website at happymr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at happymrxp. Thank you for listening. See you next week.